Hey everybody, it's Griff here again with another episode of the HLP. At the top of this episode, I do want to say that uh, there's a content warning for this episode. So I guess we'll call it a trigger warning because I know these can be relatively sensitive topics. There is domestic violence and child death, and it occurs in about minute 40 of this episode and goes on for about three minutes. The rest of the episode should be fine, but if those things don't sit well with you, feel free to skip that part. It's just a flashback into one of the characters' stories. Without further ado, here's episode 93, Do You Know The Way? Hey everybody and welcome back to the Hideous Laughter Podcast, episode 93. Guys, I missed you. Been a minute. It's been it's it's been a long time since we've all sat in the studio together. It's nice to be back. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good feeling. Big smile on my face. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, thank God for backlogs, right? Yeah. <laughs> but we made it through the worst so far of the pandemic and things have been loosening up here in the state of Ohio and it seemed like the right time to get the band back together. So why don't we start with Steve? What are you drinking, bud? Sure. Uh, thanks Griff. I'm drinking a Brewdog beer. This is their yearly Sonic temple release. It's a hazy session IPA. Don't think that music festival's happening this year, but they no. still made the beer. <laughs> it was really good last year, uh, so I picked up a sixer of it again. I'm going to give it a shot. Oh, boy. I'm glad I have five more of those, because uh, well, I won't have five more of those come Monday. They're all going to be gone. They're, it's really good. Nice. Awesome. Speaking of really good, hey, Brooks. Hey. What you drinking, dude? Well, I have the Patreon drink. Oh, so maybe not really good. <laughs> no, um... It is crown apple, ginger beer, and lime. Oh, that actually sounds good. It's called the Prince of Wolves. Very appropriate. I wish it was the fall because it is very good. The ginger beer does bring a great amount of spice to it. And uh, I guess this this drink, you could almost say, is uh, bringing spice to my life right now. Speaking of the spice of my life. Hey, Haley, what you drinking? (laughs) Thanks, bros. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am drinking a mango peach iced tea. Uh, the mango part's the rum. Oh, okay. It's good. Yeah, looks good. Well, speaking of no transitions, hey, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I am drinking Wild Ohio Mead from uh, Brothers Drake Meadery. It is my, uh, or their meadery is my absolute favorite for alcohol like overall best out there well speaking about somebody that's wild and in ohio hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) hey it's me griff i'm drinking a vizzy this time the blueberry pomegranate flavor 
This is quickly becoming one of my favorite uh, seltzer brands, I think. Oh, we've been buying it, well, buying out the Giant Eagle by our place. Yeah, I, I usually get two packs of it when I when I uh, can find it. The, uh, the, the added vitamin C does wonders for our scurvy problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the only vitamin C I get. <laughs> Hey guys, real quick before we start, I just want to say we we just went over all the characters in the lodge, right? Um, I look over at Emily when she's taking her drink. She has smiley faces and frowny faces next to them to determine whether she likes them or not. Oh my! There's a few (laughs) nice residents and workers, and then there are some pretty nasty ones, and I want to respond to them appropriately. Emily, why is there a frowny face next to my name? (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't say Matube. It says Steve. Steve. Yep. Yep. Nobody else here. You weren't supposed to see that one. Current residents of the table. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Go ahead, Grant. No, I I think that's a good point. We. So obviously we haven't recorded in months together. It's the longest hiatus we've ever had. And so we did a little housekeeping up at the top uh, together. I know you, the listeners, haven't had an interruption in what you're listening to. But with that said, I kind of wanted to explain behind the scenes how this is going to work, just so the listeners are aware. Obviously, we're recording together right now. But we're still taking this thing pretty seriously, and so we're actually still recording in very large chunks to make sure that we have still a large backlog. Uh, We'll be recording more frequently together, but we're not going to be back to our uh, weekly recording schedule just so that we have enough runway in case, God forbid, one of us were to get sick. You know, the virus is still out there even though things are opening up. So bear with us on things like uh, Drunken Discorderly or any of our live stuff. Um, there, We're going to be as spoiler-free as possible, and uh, hopefully we remain so, even though we're going to be uh, relatively far ahead. But with that out of the way, let's get into it. Let's go. Back, baby. So when last we met our heroes... They had defeated a giant tarantula. They had investigated how that thing got out of its cage in Delgros's kind of hunting oddities uh, cavern on the grounds. They pinned it down on groundskeeper Posse Trobes and went after him, uh, found him kind of tied up by Bellic the Porter. And questioned him. Uh, He seemed suspicious, but it also seemed odd that um, after asking certain questions, I think Matumbe was the main um, interrogator there. Posse would just go quiet and he wouldn't respond, which which made um, some of the things he said seem suspect. You also remember that of the four people that were missing, well, Technically five, because uh, Madame Ivanya, who we, I think, talked about at the near the end of the last episode, was also not at dinner. But the missing people were her, Posse, Bellic, Delgros, and Silas Gradon. And I think that's where we'll, we'll pick back up. You guys had just finished this interrogation. What do you want to do? There still is plenty of investigating of the lodge in general to get done. Um, But this 
trails kind of run a little cold for right now. Additionally, we know that Estovian has confirmed that Silas and Delgros were together. They were they were eating. I mean, we can't count them out as suspects, but their alibi is relatively solid for now. Uh, Matume is going to say to Estovian, Estovian, I, I know this may seem like a uh, untimely request, but it could point us in the right direction. Learn who's been in and out of malcontent here. I would like to see your logbook if you have the time. Of course, I actually had brought it to dinner, meaning to give it to you after uh, after our meal, and he would hand it over. Oh, I didn't see you had a, that book with you. Now I see it. Mm, okay. I have a great many pockets. Wow, those <laughs> things go deep. I'd like to take a look at it. I don't know if it's something I need to spend any significant amount of time, or maybe just look over the last few weeks, scan through, see any names. That you could pop certainly up. look at the last few weeks. What you would note is that the people that you've met so far, kind of what they've been telling you seems to line up. Uh, Many of them have been here for around two weeks. Those that have been here longer than that are uh, Corvin, who Matumbe maybe didn't get to meet, Mm -hmm. but the rest of the party did, as well as Ostavach, who has been, he came ahead of the Marquisa. So they've both been here for about a month. It doesn't look like a great many names of interest have actually stayed besides this kind of group of nobles. This might be a weird question, but do the the names of the people who are staying here right now, are they the same names that we've been told? Like, did somebody sign in on another name? Or That's a good question. It doesn't appear to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you will also note that... There are two distinct entries regarding use of, I guess, you the same thing you guys use, like a letter of introduction. Yours is one of them. It's obviously dated like yesterday, you know, but like a letter of introduction from Count Alpon Karamark used. I mm-hmm. think it's something that they keep track of here. And then another one dating back some time doesn't appear to be listed with guests, but it does say that entry was granted from a a letter of introduction from the noble family Adressant in Caliphas. Adressant. Okay. Interesting. I have one more question. Any names that we may have encountered already so far in the adventure? Malice, Saloom, Rude, any of the big hitters? Well, you haven't encountered some of those yet. (laughs) We've encountered Saloom. We we know that Orin Rude's armor was in um, the Chemist Works. We know who he is. Yes, you do. We don't know anything about him. Yeah, you know he was was in that... uh, he was in the log books there, yes. Yeah. Um, but no, their their names don't appear here. I, I guess after spending, you know, five, six minutes looking through it, Matumbe will close the book back up and hand it to us to, uh, our Estovian. Thank you. I, I'm curious more about this entry on behalf of the family uh, Adressant, but unfortunately, I, there's not much I can learn from the book. I appreciate you offering it. Oh, well, um... Yes, strange. Generally, those are listed with people that have stayed here. Without a name, 
maybe it was someone Bellic let in. You, you don't it, remember who it was? Uh, they didn't stay at the lodge. So I... Um, where, where would they would have stayed then? I believe um, we may have had travelers pass through a couple weeks ago. Um, but they merely asked for a place to gather their bearings and continued on. Oh, so they just like popped in for a meal or something? Yeah. Okay. That's not what I was expecting, but I, I guess it makes sense. So this has all been very helpful. Um, Matumbi, I'll turn to the rest of his crew. Frankly, I'm not sure where to go from here. Do you all have any ideas for investigation? Well, there's uh, definitely someone. Uh, we can go talk to Cayenne. She definitely uh, was mentioned earlier as far as somebody to at least introduce ourselves. But so far, good detective work, Matumbe. You're uh, really taking after, you know, the master, you know. Hmm. Two there will be, Ikma, a master and an apprentice. One day you'll figure out which one you are. There is always two. So you guys are going to talk to Cayenne before you head to bed? It is relatively late, but it's, you know, it's after dinner. That's what I was going to ask about timing-wise, um, because I think it would also be prudent of us to plant slapping, sapling rod at some point, because I have, I mean, I have six strength damage. Um, but I also know that, that it takes like an hour to produce fruit. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe... Maybe someone, because I don't want I don't want anyone else to take the fruit. So, like, plant the rod, and and someone might need to just chill out. Near yeah, it. I mean, yeah. I, th- I think it's also good to wait until morning until if we ever have more questions for Posse, just to calm some things down. Yeah, you could calm his nerves. You could realistically like take the first turn in the hedge maze and planet down you would know that like people don't really use that at night okay yeah then on the way we could go through uh pop it down and uh we could go towards the stables since it's on the way anyways so you head to the other side of the lodge grounds to the stables and um you do find cayenne there she's working on feeding the horses their last meal of the day. Uh, usually she does so after dinner, as well as changes, changing the hay. Oh, hey, how are how are the four of you? How are you holding up? We've all been better, but I think we'll manage. How are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm quite all right, thanks to you. A <laughs> little, little shook up, but otherwise pretty okay. I'm just trying to get the day's work done before I head to bed. That was a pretty strange occurrence, wasn't it? I've been working here for a while. I've never had something like that happen. Do you know of anyone that would want to hurt any guests here or any of the workers? I can't imagine any anyone here would have malice for, for someone else that's, you know, that's staying here. I know there's friendly, maybe bordering on not-so-friendly um, jabs thrown or thrown about from um Duriston and and Corvin and um and sometimes 
Um, the Marquisa gets in on the fun with her gossip, but I wouldn't think that'd be grounds for unleashing a giant spider on any of them. The groundskeeper, Parsi, he, he is the one that we have implicated in this crime. He, he has admitted it himself, but I, I fear he's a, he, he's a worried and simple man. Oh, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, the, what this leads to is a, is a problem for us. When, when questioned as to why he did this or who he might have worked with, he, he got very quiet and he wouldn't respond to any more questions. Do you know if there was anyone he was particularly close with or took an interest in him? Well, I think, you know, obviously as, as you might have heard and, and we kind of overheard following you about, I think Estovian hits the nail on the head with him being a bit infatuated with the Marquisa. He's been working here for a couple of years and she comes fairly frequently. I could see where, you know, some some sort of one-sided love might have developed. Again, he's a simple man. I don't think he <laughs> he would take the hint that a uh, groundskeeper like himself wouldn't have a shot with someone like the Marquisa. I understand, and this is the exact same conclusion that Estovian came to as well. However, when he ex- when he, he replied to us saying that that was why he did it, I I cast a spell. I I am a, a practitioner of, of the faith of Phrasma, and she guided my knowledge of his words, and he was telling a falsehood. Well... This was a lie. Between you and me, if... If you're thinking that, um, someone might have, I don't know, you're pretty sure he did it? Without a doubt. But he was influenced, for sure. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm gathering from what you just said. My thought would be that, you know, he was hired by Belek, he was kept on by Belek, despite his shortcomings, if someone were to goad him into doing something, Bellic's probably his closest confidant. That's strange. We... Well, as you probably heard from all the commotion that he... Bellic was the one that caught Posse as he was leaving. Yeah, Ikmar, he caught him, but didn't we also think maybe he was being... A little exaggerated with his story. Maybe Posse was actually coming to tell Bellic that he succeeded or didn't succeed because of us and then just tied him up to put a blame on someone. Bellic is uh, certainly uh, still under investigation. I don't think that we can strictly say that he is innocent. I think that's a that's a smart move, lad. But I mean, Kyan, you you definitely were pretty quick to uh, to I, I guess drop the name. Uh, is there some other reason that you would possibly suspect Bellic? I mean, he kind of runs the show here. If you catch my drift, being the porter and being the main hirer of, of folks that work here, he can be intimidating. He's a dick. He is kind of an asshole. Um, 
and I, you know, I tell you this in confidence because I saw the way you handled the situation and I saw the way you were doing the investigation. I, I figure the four of you aren't going to give up. I, I think the four of you are going to see this to the conclusion and figure out who's done it. And, you know, if I can trust you to save my life in the face of a, a 20-foot-long tarantula, I imagine you're probably trustworthy people. We, we can definitely be trusted, but why would Bellic do this? Like That I don't know. I don't know why he'd do it to his, you know, to the place he works. Hmm. How long has he worked here? Far longer than I've been working here. Probably nearly as long as Estovian's been the warden. And nothing's changed about Bellic over the years? That you Other than tell? he's gotten more portly, no. Not that I can tell. Uh, Cayenne, you, you said something interesting a moment ago, that he was the primary uh, person for hiring. Would it be right to assume that the other uh, workers here were all hired by him, or maybe just a select few, a select one? Were you hired by him? I was hired by him, yes. Okay. Um, damn near everyone here was, I think... I think Estovian hired Bellic, and then Bellic handled the hiring of the rest of the staff. Mm. He handles a lot of things. I mean, he handles the comings and goings as the porter. Well, as a deputy of Ravengrow, you can count on Ikmer and Matumbe, master and apprentice, to Not see this order. case through. So far out of your jurisdiction, deputy <laughs> <laughs> of Raven Girl. <laughs> well, I appreciate. Yeah, you're you're a little far from uh, from that little uh, one horse town. I'm surprised you've heard of it. Well, it's in the same country we're in right now, so you know there was a big prison there once, right? You're telling us. <laughs> <laughs> was um, was that all you wanted to wanted to know before I I kind of wrap up? You know, we were just looking in the logbook, and it, it details plenty of comings and goings. Um, in, in fact, when I arrived, I did not realize that some people don't even stay the night. That's very rare. That almost never happens. Has it happened more recently? Have people come and gone within the last couple of days? It, well, I wouldn't say the last couple of days, but... Um couple weeks ago maybe a man came well a couple men came through but um, they didn't stay one of them he was pale gaunt even and he had uh, some sort of creepy little attendant or something might have been well it looked like it was maybe cobbled together or something didn't quite look right. And she would go on to kind of like describe the thing. You could make a knowledge arcana check. I'm feeling a homunculus here. I will roll to aid. Same here. Oh. I aid because I auto aid. <laughs> I rolled a natural one, which is the bottle on the new dice. So no, I don't aid. I don't think he needs it. 
<laughs> Looking at the tray, there's a 17 and a 5. Oh, dang. <laughs> 35. That would be a 37. Uh, even oh. even from the description of someone that probably doesn't know a lot about magic, you're able to piece together that, yeah, that sounds like a homunculus. Your hun- hunch was correct. She'd go on to say, um, you know, they, they claim they were coming from Courteau, but they had thick southern accents. Couldn't have been from there, at least not originally. I was um, I was instructed not to unsaddle or unload the horses, and they left about a couple of hours after they came in. It sounds like these peculiar Southerners were up to some sort of tomfoolery. What do you know? What they got up to when they were here? Nice. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed. I might get in trouble for telling you this. Do you want to go ahead and one of you make a diplomacy? I I mean, I have a plus eight. To convince her she's can, speaking in confidence. I yeah. can aid at least. Yeah, can we try to aid as well? Certainly. Okay. Yeah. I'll try to aid Eclipse. I've assured you already once, we are definitely people you can trust. I promise that whatever you say stays between us and it's for the investigation. This is uh, strictly deputy and... Uh, uh, friend, uh, deputy witness confidentiality. <laughs> yeah, you have nothing to worry about. We're here for the greater good and carry the full weight of the Justice Department of Ravengrove with us. <laughs> you know, um, Matumbe, I don't remember you being deputized. Uh, you carry the weight for us. Do they normally deputize children? Um, they shouldn't. They really shouldn't. I, I, I feel have, like I have been told that because I could be tried as an adult, I can be <laughs> deputized <laughs> as an adult as well. <laughs> yeah, she would like lean over to Matube and be like, "Was that like a like a you know you're a deputy for show type of deal?" Um, my badge is instruction paper, plastic, pretty <laughs> <laughs> <Very> clear. <laughs> Um, do I, how many aids do I get? One. Freya aids. One from here. Everybody? Yeah. Okay, so. Plus six. 31. 31. Yeah, she's convinced. <laughs> um, listen. A little bit. Again, as long as this stays between us and you don't, um, you don't immediately, you know, go to these people and tell them, hey, I heard from Cayenne. Um, what Ostevach was telling me was that uh, these strangers visited Madame Ivania, and they stayed in her tower for nearly the entire time that they uh, that they were here. Oh God damn it! Mm. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to go talk to her again. When did did Ustavach perhaps mention if they came out looking maybe a little more dehydrated yet satisfied? God he, damn it! He didn't share that detail with me. Did you catch the names? No, I I didn't catch any of their names. But they were let in by Belek, correct? Certainly, certainly, yes. Uh, Belek let them in. They went to, you know, I was unsaddling horses, so I'm only hearing this through hearsay, but Ostevach said they did spend a good bit of their time in 
Madame Avania's tower. Do you remember about when this was? And really, I just want to see if it kind of lines up with that entry in the logbook. Right, right. Uh, I think it's roughly like three weeks ago that this happened. Does that line up? It lines up. Okay, cool. I'm just trying to think of the timeline in my head because like uh, basically what you should know at this point is like Ostavach and um, and Corvin would have been the only people that are currently here that would have also like potentially seen this. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That's kind of why I asked out of character because I want to make sure it just lines up. So, um, I mean, I think that's kind of all we have for Cayenne, right? I think so. Mm-hmm. So let's go get our fruit. Sound good? Yeah. Great. I'm going to roll the 2d4 to see how many we get. Six. Hell yeah. That's a nice. good, decent amount. Who has strength damage? I do. Me too. I do not. Yeah, I you, also you do have one, Ickmer. But that should heal overnight. Yeah, that should heal overnight. That's why. Yeah. Okay, I have six. I have five. Great. So let's split these between us. Okay. I would say three and three are until we need them. And are these... Uh, lesser restoration, lesser restoration or cure moderate, depending on what Yeah, we so want. you could save mm-hmm. the rest of them as a cure moderate if you wanted to. Let's let's see how badly we roll if that comes to it. Yeah. Well, uh, so it does revert to its original state after all the fruits picked... Oh, okay, or after 24 hours. And fruit harvested only lasts for 24 hours. So. Yep, so you have until tomorrow night to use them. Yep. And then you- so I'm going to pick one off and do my lesser restoration. I'll like only pick them one at a time. I'll do the same. That's just a D4, right? Yeah. Okay. Four, right on my three. first roll. I got three on mine, which is good. And then so no matter what I roll on the second one, I'll be fine. Because even if I have one, one left over, it'll sleep over. Yep, I got four and three, so I have um, plenty. Yep, so you're cured of your strength damage. So, with that information, are you guys resting the night? Are you... It is night now. I I would say maybe we just have a a very quick, like, four-person powwow where we outline what we're going to do for the next day and then go to bed and go our separate ways in the morning. I think in the hedge maze where... We've just picked the berries is a good place for it. Sure. Great. All right. Well, so (laughs) Matume just has juice running down his face. He wipes it off from the fruit. Um, Messy eater. From the fruit. You had to clarify. I went, I went, I went to town on, and I'm going to say mine were, uh, you said like berries. Mine were mangoes. So Matume is going to, to just kind of open up. We still need to talk to this Ivania, but it's getting quite late. Um, I I would also like to spend a little bit more time in the library. It would be nice if I had some assistance. I still think there's more to learn there. Maybe tomorrow, myself and someone else spend time in the library while the other two uh, perhaps talk to this Ivania? I think I could be a lot of help in the library because I also am pretty good with knowing some stuff. I, I, I think that's a great suggestion. Freya, Ikma, if, if Eclipse and I tackle the library again tomorrow, p- perhaps maybe you could speak to Avanya on all of our behalfs? 
Oh, I just love the idea of that. <laughs> oh, no. oh, I'm salivating at the thought of that. Oh, no. I, that just, I just thought of the... Uh, <laughs> Mommy and son off to the fucking... Oh, no, Griffin. Stop. Fuck oh, that. There, HLP memes has, has brought you to a place of... Uh, of, of depravity. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. Well... Matumbe, I'm a little sad that we are breaking up the library crew, but I guess I understand. Uh, Matumbe's going to walk over. He's going to put his hand on your shoulder. He's going to look you in the eye and and say, there will be other libraries, my boy. (laughs) This is not the end, but more of a see you later. (laughs) I don't know. I, I, I trust you, Matumbe, but... But know that my, while I'm with Ivanya, my heart is with you. Mm. All right. <laughs> Would it make it better if I let you have the top bunk tonight? You know, it's pretty <laughs> chilly out here. Maybe just for safety, we just kind of, you know, <sighs> take them apart and put them right side by side. Didn't you guys make the bunk beds to begin with? <laughs> you had to make bunk beds to start. Well, duct tape can be undone. Or, uh, uh I, I guess Universal, web tape. Uh, web tape? <laughs> I don't know. It's not invented yet. We invented it ourselves. That's well, canon. You travel as any tool. Almost I, anything's I possible. Mean, I have glue paper. <laughs> Oh, jeez, the beds are glued together. <laughs> anyway. When we leave a story, it's going to be like, what the fuck did they do in this room? <laughs> the housekeeper walks in like, what? <laughs> they turn it into a neckbeard den. Yeah, that's what it's called, glue paper. Yep. I mean, it's all on Duriston's tab, so uh, we're fine. We've, we've been leaving the do not disturb tag on the door <laughs> so, so that housekeeping doesn't find it during the day. <laughs> You thought there was a different, the whispering way was the big bad, but like Durst is just going to get more powerful coming after you. (laughs) The deposit he lost on that room. Just just to make things a little bit worse, glue paper is made out of uh, tree sap. (laughs) So the whole place smells like sap. You can't can't get that off. No, No, it's sticking. What's actually a funny, quick story, very quick story here. Oh, God. In, In college, we had a suite and through your like second year you can pick the the rooms that you want and so there were four of us and you could move the beds to between or to one room and if you had the other room as well you could turn the other room into just a party room with the tv and things like that and so that's what we did we had four beds in one dorm and completely converted the other area into shenanigans. And, and so these were four twin mattresses side by side by side. Right? <laughs> Stuck One together with sad, right? <laughs> yep. You had to crawl. Was, you were in the middle one, so you had to crawl over everybody to get into bed. Oh, yes. And, uh, oh, boy, was the uh, the rollovers were, were very, very uh, 
very nice. And then, of course, we had girlfriends over, and they were, of course, very accepting. You know, your wife's on this show. Yeah. So weird. Can we move Did you on from Brooks' this story? Did in college? Uh, Probably not. No, I met Brooks after he had already graduated, so there that was go. before Good. before I even knew him. It probably is for the best. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, feel like we wouldn't have a Mr. and Mrs. Campbell if you experienced him in college. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Oh. All right, so it sounds like you guys have a pretty decent plan for tomorrow. For sure. Mm-hmm. So you guys are hitting the hay. And you go to your separate rooms. The next morning comes faster than you wanted it to. It was a long day. The prior day. And Matumbe, you feel warm and and you see that you've sweated through your sheets. Oh God. Um and you look down at yourself and you're like radiating heat, but your skin is like you're you can see your veins, which is not very common for you. And uh, they look red instead of like, you just have this like whole tinge on your body of redness. And I think if Ikmer were to wake up as well, he'd see it right away that Matumbe's eyes are bloodshot and he, his whole face is, um, is a blush of red and he looks unwell and he's very sweaty. Matume, um, I, I have to say, is there something off with you? I mean, there's not many times that I'm able to say that you're showing some color, but you certainly, uh, well, look like you're showing color. Ugh, and he kind of he's probably been tossing and turning all night a, a, a sweaty sleep is not a restful one no um, so as he gets up he stumbles oh dear I don't like that you take four points of strength damage mm. Ooh, that's oh that's no. and I think it makes you dizzy and you throw up right there over the side of the bed oh god and that's like a big tell something's pretty wrong uh, uh Matumbe Please, uh, sit back down on your bed. Uh, I'm gonna get the only person that really I know to be able to at least help with this. And he walks over, er, knocks on Freya and Eclipse's door. Uh, Freya opens the door. Morning, Ikma. Uh, I'm... You know, I don't normally ask for a lot from you, um, and you you have to help Matumbe, please. He, he doesn't look well. Can you come at once? What's wrong with Matumbe? I'm not sure, but I can definitely say that it's probably not normal to throw up in the morning. <laughs> I doubt it's morning sickness. I'll come and take a look. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, and thank so you. 
Frey, you make your way to Matumbe and Ikmer's room, and right now, Matumbe has put the blankets back over himself and is shaking as if he's freezing. Frey, I'm glad you came back. Uh, it, is it not cold in here to you? A fire, a fire at once. We, we, we must warm up this room. Ikma, get a fire going. I'm going to take a closer look. Uh, so Frey's going to do a heal check? Sure. Uh, 20? So you pull back the blanket. No, you don't. I'm cold. You pull back the blanket <laughs> to um, examine Matumbe, and it's something about his dark skin contrasted with the almost pulsing red on his arms and on his face that flashes you out of the moment for a second and into a scene a memory Freya wakes up from a nap and very slowly gets out of bed struggling with her growing pregnant belly she calls her husband upstairs, and he begrudgingly walks to the stairs. What? He says, annoyed, without coming up. I need some help getting down the stairs. I've been off balance more often than not now. Our little pebble is going to tip me right over. As he starts walking up the stairs, Freya notices his darkened skin. You should wash up before dinner. That dust from the mine ain't good for you. I already did. You must be putting something in the soap that dyed my skin. Freya looks confused. I didn't touch your soap. Well, someone did. My skin is almost black. He gets angrier now. I work in the mines all day, and then I have to put up with you messing with my things. As he gets closer, Freya notices his skin is glistening with a red sheen. She doesn't have time to process it because on the final step, he stubs his toes and lets out a guttural scream. Ah! His face, contorted with anger, looks at Freya with a blind rage. He grabs her and pulls her towards the stairs. Confused and panicked, she freezes up, unable to stop herself from tumbling down the stairs. She reaches the bottom with a thud, watching in fear as her husband stomps down after her. His face quickly changes from anger to fear as he reaches the bottom of the stairs and realizes what he's done. Unable to face his actions, he runs out of the door, leaving Freya hurt and alone. Freya, still reeling with confusion, is hit with a sharp pain in her back that moves to her lower abdomen. No, no, no. It's too soon. She sobs as she feels the contraction starting. She slowly lifts herself up to go find help, but when she reaches the door, she sees people fighting in the streets. She also sees the glistening of blood. She's barely able to lock her door before slumping down to the ground, alone and afraid. She has enough medical training to know it's too soon to have her baby, but not enough to know what to do. She delivers her two tiny baby girl, and she knows in the back of her mind that something isn't right. 
The baby is far too quiet, but in her state of shock, she just goes through the motions of her training. She does the best she can to clean her up and wrap her in a fresh towel. Unsure of what to do next, she quietly sneaks out the back door to try and find help. And then we flash back. Take a hero card. Ooh, thank you. The big sky. That's a good card. Good card. Awesome. I think we're going to need that. So Freya kind of shakes herself out of this terrible memory um, and realizes that what Matumbe is dealing with right now is a disease known as the red ache. Uh, she can tell with that heel check the method of how he got it. It's the, the spider bites. They look infected. Um, the little ones. Mm. What does she do? That memory leaves Freya pretty shaken. So her skin is now very pale and there's a sheen of sweat on her um, too. I'll need to prepare some spells. I'll do my best to heal you. Stay here and rest. Um, so, remove disease should. Yep, that should clear to, this up. Okay. You would, I think, remove disease requires a check against the diseases DC. Yes, it does. So, Freya has not uh, prepared her spells for the day. Um, so, she can still prepare remove disease. Um, and if she's just preparing that one spell, I think it only takes like. A certain number of minutes. Yeah, it's very quick. So she could just prepare that spell and, and get going so that she can heal Matumbe as fast as possible. So I think it's I appreciate a, that. Is a caster level check against... Uh, yeah, so it's a d20 plus the caster level against the DC of the disease. Yep. So go ahead and give me that roll. While Freya's doing this, Eclipse is going to run down and grab the last two mangoes. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> and maybe take the rod? Yes, that yeah. too. Don't worry. I mean, I would take it all, but... Uh, that's a 20. Yeah, with a 20, um, you can tell that this really does a lot of good. Matumbe, you stop shivering and sweating and alternating five-minute intervals. Um, your skin and, and hue kind of returns to normal. Uh, you don't feel, like, nauseous anymore. Uh, you still feel that weakness mm -hmm. from the disease, but it sounds like you're going to get another lesser restoration or two from the sapling rod. Yeah, Eclipse would run up panting and shove the two mangoes in his lap and, uh, eat these now! I have never been more, never had the taste for more fruit than this mango now. Um, and so he's going to eat one, four. Oh, nice. Hell so yeah. you still have one left over. Still have one left over. Great. Um, but he's going he's gonna to turn to both Eclipse and Freya, Freya in particular. But um, uh, again, it seems I, 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 I owe you a great debt, one that will be difficult to repay this time. I fear this, this disease is, is a wasting one, one that would leave me gaunt, frail, and in pain for as long as it takes to take my life. This is what I'm here for. I've unfortunately come across these horrific diseases before. They can ravage whole towns and cause unknown harm. 
I have to stop it before it gets worse. I'm glad I was here to cure your disease before it spread to others. As am I. And it's, it makes my heart glad that it was just me. I was able to recover and no one else was affected. But the mango has me in quite good spirits. I believe it may be time to look in the library. Alright, so is that where we want to start today? With Matumbe and Eclipse in the library? Yes. Alright. And I would ask, uh, does, can Bellic do things like bring us food? Because I'd ask for that. For Breck. For some snacks in the library. You ask Bellic this? Yeah. Absolutely. Say, uh, certainly, if, if not me, someone will be up shortly to um, you know, bring you breakfast. Uh, just be uh, be careful. Don't spill anything on the books. Great. Thanks, Bellic. We've got to focus. Coffee? Anyone? It's nice of you to ask, but not yet. Not yet. Okay. Um. He wasn't ready. Sounds good. So he would be off um, fetching your things. Do we want to do the library first? Or? Yes, let's do the okay. library. Um, so this is the second day mm-hmm. of research happening in the library. And I think Matumbe is taking Eclipse under his wing a little bit in the sense that like, now that he's a day familiar with it, he knows where at least some of the, like, how it's organized a little bit and where some of the interesting sections are. Ignore this stuff we've already looked at, like that kind of stuff. So you each have a plus three knowledge bonus. All right. Okay. You can make either local, and that can be untrained, uh, arcana or religion. And then knowing the rules of the library again, um, you would want to make this obviously with your highest one, but also the one that you have the most ranks in. Because when you deal damage to the library, you do bonus damage if you have uh, five ranks in a trained skill. I don't have five ranks in any of them. Okay. Well, I do, and I would like to do that then. I had fun with Ikma yesterday, Eclipse, but I think you are going to be a good research partner for today. Let's get to work. Okay, so... Uh, do I just make a check? Because I've got knowledge religion at a plus 13 with that plus 3. Yeah, you just make a check. I will also be utilizing religion. 32. Ooh, 32. Ooh, you might have beat me. Hold on. I rolled 19 on the die. Plus 13, so 32. I also got a 32. Nice. Okay, well, you, um... Let's kick this library's ass. Hell yeah. You guys do kick the library's ass by a decent amount, beating the research bonus or the the knowledge of the library by five adds one damage to each of your damage rolls when you do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a complexity of 25. You've both beat it by five. Go ahead and give yourselves a plus one. When you have a... So Matumbe, because you're rolling at the... Uh, trained in the skill and have five ranks, you'd be rolling a d12. Eclipse, you roll a d8. Add your intelligence. And then the plus one, obviously. I got 12 total. I got nine total. You believe you've gotten nearly all of the information you could possibly get out of 
this library. Nice. nice. And so this is where I'm going to get a little bit long-winded here because you've got a ton of information. So Matumbe is probably looking into the Whispering Way. That's where he's focusing. He learns about three key areas. So I'll let you... Um, I'll let you decide what you want to learn about first. Um, you can learn about their philosophy first, their origin first, or the way they're organized. I actually like that order. I think that makes sense. Okay. That's a pretty logical one. So you find this quote kind of bookmarked in one of the one of the books you're looking at, and it tips you off that you're going to be finding a good amount of information about the philosophy of the Whispering Way here. The quote reads, Right now I stand on the bridge between two worlds. I'm on the cusp of life and unlife. My soul still in resplendent fervor while my body tries clinging to its animating spirit. Without my soul, my body will fall into decay, but this is temporary, and it will continue to see rebirth. In my future state, I shall draw my soul close to my breast and keep it even from Phrasma's judgment. From this secret place, I shall live forever, devoid of bodily needs, able to further my will and continue my work upon the face of this world without the wastes of breath, emotion, or rest. Should my physical form prove unworthy, I will move as a free and intelligent spirit, choosing any vessel I desire when I require the luxury of a physical touch quoted Zazenji Whispering Way member or you assume that's how the author has attributed him um, in terms of their philosophy this is what you learn in, in this book um, their core tenets are that life holds no value and its ex extinction is the gateway to a golden age of order and immortality the Whispering Way are far more than nihilists, and they view the passage into undeath not as a curse or a punishment, but rather the greatest transcendence a living creature can experience. To the Whispering Way, life is a drain on the ecology and a wasteful expense mortals must endure before passing beyond the veil of death. They seek to change the world. They view Galarian as a chaotic, dangerous place besieged by its own diversity of creatures, cultures, and possibilities. Under the rule of worthy undead princes, all the world might be cleaned, leaving it an ordered realm of death, but not of quiet riot. Rather, they see an internal world unified by a united state, purpose, and consistency, and peace. The teachings of the Whispering Way are passed down orally, hence the organization's name. No written doctrine or any one voice extols the Whispering Way. Just as the path to lichdom is unique for every individual, so too is the vision of the world to come and the path to that grim perfection. The group shuns written forms of philosophies and any reported tomes dealing their detailing their traditions end up being only the word and ramblings of non-believers or exiled necromancers. Uh, you assume this book's author is one, one such people or one such person. Um, the Whispering Way's followers actively seek this literature in order to destroy it. So this book 
among others, has likely flown under the radar, probably because it's in a random-ass hunting lodge. So, so they're throwing shade at Phrasma and destroying books. <laughs> <laughs> I forego the second two parts. I, I think I, I've heard enough. <laughs> um, Triggered. So um, so you said you wanted to hear their origin next? Yeah, that would be great. Um, the Whispering Way traces its roots back to the Age of Darkness. The philosophy has no former founder or formal founder. It merely exists as a realization of, to those ambitious and insightful enough to grasp it. However, that being said, none can doubt the impact of the Whispering Way's most terrifying member, the Whispering Tyrant, upon the very philosophy he rose to power pursuing. During the Age of Enthronement, the Wizard King Tarbafan learned of the Whispering Way and wished to use their secrets for his own. Seeking these mysteries, he eventually converted to the Way, becoming one of the most visible and well-known adherents in the history of the group. After his defeat by his greatest enemy, the living god Aridin, Tarbafan eventually returned to the world as a powerful lich, gaining the moniker the Whispering Tyrant. To this day, the Whispering Way continues to occupy the lands near the site of the Wizard King's imprisonment in Gallowspire, their most prominent bastion being the dreaded monastery of Renchurch nearby. While most adherents continue to seek their own unique paths to undeath and furthering the way's gold, many see Tarbafan as the Order's champion and believe his restoration to be the surest way of hastening the world's end. Especially with the death of the god Aridin, many view the imprisoned tyrant as a fallen king and seek to release him to claim a world terrified but somewhat expectant of his return. Hmm. So that's what you know of their origins and kind of a little bit of their history, especially as it concerns to Tarbafan. Let's talk about their organization. Loosely structured, the Whispering Way has little in the way of hierarchical status. While many members deny the greater group, even as a leader, rank within the Whispering Way is typically determined by two factors, age and power. Respect is granted to exceptionally old adherents, whether in leadership positions or not. Power, be it from cunning, knowledge, wealth, or a mastery of arcane and divine arts, always rises to the top of any system and seeks, it seeks to control. Followers care little for exalting rules and regulations, finding anyone who adheres to the philosophy to be a suitable fit for the group. Failures tend to remove themselves from the organization, often by becoming the victims or undead slaves of more ambitious peers, and such the very philosophical backbone of the Whispering Way is a self-correcting system. Adherents have their own personal projects and interests and naturally congregate with other like-minded followers, forming specialized cells. Like a Academy, the Whispering Way is structured into departments. These factions typically form along lines of philosophy and manner of undeath. Some adherents find common goals and share their learning. These factions within the group typically focus on one method of undeath, spending years perfecting the creation of these creatures or unraveling the secrets of transforming into one. So think like a group might be obsessed with becoming ghouls or becoming vampires or uh, a specific form of undeath that they learn to both create as necromancers and then transcend into. Other popular factions in the group follow a particular deity. Though usually populated by clerics, the religious sects also attract lay members with strong faith to these evil gods. So think like 
another department of the Whispering Way might be the worshippers of Ergothoa or the worshippers of Zonkathon or the, you know, they, they would congregate to certain evil deities and uh, all worship together. So that would be more of like the religious slant of the organization. I That's... That's very interesting to me because from the first day we ever recorded, I was wondering like, okay, there's obviously this big Whispering Way tie-in. Why does Professor Lorimore have books from several different gods? Yep. But the Whispering Way can, or at least different parts of them can venerate different gods. So I was like, these books aren't related to the Whispering Way at all. What the hell? Like, that makes a lot of sense now. Putting it together, it took putting me the, putting the early fucking sh- episodes. Hey, but here wow. we are. You know, this is this is like, I feel like this is you guys having scooped all of the information out of this library, uh, and and some like I'd say this comes from probably three or four separate books in here, but this is what you're able to piece together. Mm-hmm. Um, Eclipse, you learn more information about the werewolf clans, <laughs> specifically you learn who their leaders are. Uh, so I think Matumbe probably would have shared his notes on that he, he got day one of researching. But um, the Dorzahevs, or the Broken Ones, are led by a druid named Sabriza Dorzahev, or Dorzanev, I think that's the right way to say it. I don't know how I said it. Two months ago, but <laughs> we'll have to go, go back to the tapes. The Mordrenach are led by Mathis Mordrenach, who you've heard the name of before uh, from the from the werewolves that assaulted you in the forest. He also has designs to position to be the pack lord of all of the werewolves. You also learn a little bit more about the Mordrenach. Uh, apparently, according to these books. They um, they see themselves as the original descendants of lycanthropy. And they trace their lineage back to a um, an ancient wolf spirit that was the son of the priest of Desna long ago. Apparently, they still worship at this temple called the Stairs of the Moon. The Prince's Wolves are led by a roguish scoundrel, um, at least in how he's described, and his name is Rickmit Zardo. You know that the Volensang, or Primals, um, don't have a leader. Their former leader was recently slain. Finally, you learn of the leaders of the Oceans, and I say leaders because their current tribe leader is a barbarian named Sawyer Savarine, but he's not in fact a werewolf. Rather, he's a were-tiger. He's said to be a descendant of the infernal Duke Ose himself, and devil blood runs through his veins. Second in co- command is his mate, the anti-paladin Anya Savarine. 
She was once, in fact, an afflicted werewolf who willingly contracted the di- the disease in devotion to her partner as well as her demonic patron. As a boon, Giselda, her demonic patron, transformed her into a natural lycanthrope and bade her convert more warships or more werewolves to her warship. To date, um, the duo's missionary zeal has been quite successful. Um, the Oceans are, as I've said before, the fastest growing tribe in the region. I've been trying to laugh so silently. I'm crying. His pure mate. That's right. She survives it all. That's very impressive. True love. Holy shit. True love conquers all. <laughs> Gotta wonder what Vrood did to her to make her an anti-paladin. Probably, probably nothing good. <laughs> probably nothing good. <laughs> uh, I would actually allow you to, uh, either one of you to make me a knowledge religion, because that group in particular venerates uh, certain deities. Whew. All right. You're telling me you got is that, skills. Is that an 18 and a 6? Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, that's, boy, that's a lot. I have trouble with all these numbers. Uh, that's a 39? 39. I had a 22. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll just give you some of the information on these deities. Um, so, Giselda was mentioned. She is uh, the mistress of the hungry moon, lord of werewolves, and demon lord of the moon. She's a chaotic evil deity um, concerned with desolation, the moon, and werewolves, uh, and is generally worshipped by strange groups of rural folk or lunatics or werewolves. Her domains are animal chaos, evil, and trickery, and her symbol is a full moon above a moor. Obviously, sacred animal is wolf. and um, So she's doing good. Yeah, I mean, she, you would know from that high of a religion check that it would make sense that um, werewolves would worship this deity. Obviously, it, it even says in here, like, her anti-paladin was granted full werewolf status just by being devout. And I think that's a, that's an important tie-in to the Ozean wolves, is that a lot of them are afflicted lycanthropes, not natural-born ones. And so by venerating Giselda, they have the chance to become natural wolves. And then the Infernal Duke Oz is the Duke of Claws, um, lawful evil, and his main areas of concern are betrayal, doom, and obsession. His uh, domains are artifice, evil, law, and madness. His symbol is claws and a tiger face. The sacred animal is a tiger. And you know, because you guys did so... You you murdered the library by, like... Six health. Nice. Hell yeah. Um, and so... Matumbe, you find an interesting... Field journal. Oh, okay. Uh, the journal's author is an unnamed worshiper of Desna, and they recorded several entries describing their pilgrimage to an ancient abandoned temple of Desna 
an observatory in the Shutterwood known as the Stairs of the Moon. Okay, well, yeah, yep, that's a, that's a name. The journal includes a description of the temple, but the details of its exact location are frustratingly vague. These pages are bookmarked with a folded piece of paper, scribbled with a faded note reading, See Halo of Dreams on page 322, filed under religion. So we're going to check that out. So you check that out. You try and follow the directions here. That book isn't in that spot. Hmm. In fact, the the library doesn't seem to be filed that way. At least not this one. That That's a, a telling remark, and I was headed down that path myself. I'm thinking that it might not be in this one, but in the secret library. Cool. Okay. Do you put all the books back? Or are you taking any with you? I, I, I don't know that there's a need to take anything with us. Okay. They're being nice and letting us play with their toys anyway, so. Sure. So I'd like to now flip over to Igmar and Freya talking to Madame Ivanya in her, uh, pleasure tower you guys approach this tall tower and you see that Madame Ivania now has um, two of her own personal guards stationed outside you think maybe given the hubbub of the last evening um, word might have reached her maybe even um, Eclipse and Freya's advice might have reached her that's good to hear. Glad she was uh, taking what we said seriously. Uh, Freya has uh, at least spoken with Ivanya before, so she walks up to um, the door if the guards let her and knocks. The guard kind of reaches out in front of you for a second. Hold. What? business do you have with Madame Ivania? My name's Freya, and this is Ikma. I've spoken with Ivania before. She said we were welcome to come and chat with her. There's some strange happenings here. We're just trying to make sure everyone's okay. And he thinks for a second and then a dawning realization comes to him and he says, oh, you were one of the the four you two were two of the four that neutralized the threat yesterday yes we took care of it together do you mind if we accompany you inside uh sense motive on that sure uh, just to see if they're uh, more worried about safety or wanting to eavesdrop. Twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a twenty-two, you think um, this might—they're acting as though this might have been their orders mm-hmm. to to do so to a keep like unwanted people out and b protect the people inside. 
Of course. Can't trust anyone nowadays. It's good being careful. And so you enter, and you see kind of a plush, lavish lobby. Looks like there's a lot of seating area. Uh, You smell the scent of burning incense in the room. And Madame Vanya is kind of sitting at a a desk in the front. She appears to be uh, working on something, um, but she looks up. Oh, my friend Freya, you've oh. you've taken me. <laughs> <laughs> you've taken me up on my offer to um to come visit my establishment. I see. Who is your um young friend? My name's Ikmer. Uh, it's a pleasure, a pleasure to meet you. Hmm, the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> We're here to check up. Just make sure you're doing all right. Yes, dear. I've been, I've been fine since, well, the unpleasantness yesterday. I've mainly stayed in this tower here. Um since that happened. I'm glad to see you got some guards. There's something going on here, wouldn't you say? Mm, I try to um, keep my business and the business of the lodge separate, but yes, something is awry. There there seems to be a lot of business going on. Mm, Yes. Have you come here for business or pleasure? (laughs) Ikwa here is an investigator Uh, uh, We're just trying to find the truth um, uh, A real deputy of uh, uh, Raven Girl Um, Relax uh, deputy You seem stiff Oh um, That's uh, that's merely uh, um, Coincidence Coincidence. <laughs> well, make yourself at home. Um, so you're not here for the service of my girls, then? No, we do have a few questions for you, if you're willing to answer them. Not right now. <laughs> I see you like to keep your options open, Ikmer. I like that in a man. But yes. I mean, a friend would be cool, but... Okay. <laughs> I'm... Um, I'm more than willing to um, answer any questions you have. But just know that if it has to do with my business, there is a certain level of confidentiality I have to keep. I'm I'm, uh, sorry, I I just have to... You know, something to calm my nerves a little bit. We could have given you a free one. We have them. You could have had a beverage. You didn't have to pull that out of your pocket is what I'm saying. I mean, that was the only thing in my pocket. (laughs) I certainly can't tell if you're happy to see me behind that armor. It was just a beer in my pocket. Don't worry. Um, it's... Uh, business only. Yes, back to the point detective. 
Um, what have you come for? What information can I help you with? We're trying to figure out why the spider was loosed and who could have orchestrated it all. We're curious about a few people that entered the lodge but didn't stay about three weeks ago. Mm, I do remember this. Yes. Um, four men did enter my establishment and they were serviced by um, one of my girls, Nayama. Are you able to give us the names of the men that came? <laughs> Unfortunately, I cannot. That would um, breach the confidentiality I have with my clients. I understand. There's uh, there's one between a deputy and witness as well. So you have nothing to worry about. Even if I did not have such compunctions, though, I will tell you, uh, we don't require names to partake in the services we have, and none were given. It's rather strange for someone to come to the lodge and not stay. Do you know why they were here? Clearly they just wanted a warm bed. A bed that was warmed, not one to sleep in. All four of them? This I do not know. I do not question my guests' proclivities, but um, you could speak to Nayama. She might be willing to... Um, she, she certainly spent more time with them than I did, so she might be willing to give you some of the information you seek. Well, what I, I was uh, really trying to get at was, is it really uh, a bit odd for four, five people or five guests to ask for a single... A lady at one time? It is not common, but I wouldn't say that people don't do it. Okay. Uh, and another thing, I, I guess on that same trait, did, uh, did they ask for her specifically, or was it just, uh, like, uh... By by chance, they were paired together. No, they um they didn't ask for her specifically, and if I were a betting woman, I would say they wouldn't really have cared who I paired them with. We'd love to talk to her if she's around. Sure, she should be um third do door on the second floor. And. We very much so appreciate the both of your time, and we want you to know that that we're on Durston's tab, so feel free <laughs> to bill us for the full time. That seems uh, respectable. Remember, your satisfaction is our guarantee. And so you head up and open the door, and you find a very pretty Vudrani woman lying upon a pile of pillows 
smoking a sweet-scented substance from a glass water pipe. She draws heavily on the pipe, um, apparently waiting for instructions. Hello, my name's Freya, and this is Ikma. We're just wanting to talk. Oh, you just want to talk? I have not had that request in some time. We're actually here to learn more about uh, maybe another strange request you had. Mm. I feel I know what you're talking about. That's uh, very forward of you, and it's much appreciated. But, Was you know, the, just... The man with the evil pet? Yeah, maybe. A pale man with a Very pale. Yes, yes, very pale. He, um... I'll tell you what I know. Um, there were three nobles hired me. They, they hired me that evening. Um, and again, one of them had that evil imp-like pet. Um, they waited in my room for some time, but they only requested me to dance for them. Eventually, a new guest arrived, a silver-haired woodsman with a full beard, smelled like a beast. At this point, m- my clients requested that I leave, so I returned to my room and I gave them about an hour, but when I returned, they were gone. Did you happen to hear what they were talking about? Maybe through the door or the fireplaces? (laughs) They're all connected. (laughs) I'm not supposed to share such information about my clients. Um, But this is... Just talking with you is... So nice. I just appreciate the companionship. Well, you he guys have all diplomacy. Yeah, you guys can make a diplomacy. Freya also chimes in. You heard about the spider incident. We're just trying to make sure everyone is safe, and that doesn't happen again. With this information, we can keep you and everyone else safe. Ikmar is going to do a bit of uh, playing the sad, uh, sad lonely card okay. with a total uh, 17 on the die, a total 18. Okay. Oh, I only got 15. But, so, you see, your your voice is just so calming and nice. You could just talk for days, you know, just... Just talk, and and I'd be fine with that. She kind of sits up straighter on her pillow, and uh, her expression softens a bit. <laughs> That's so nice of you to say. I've had enough experiences with clients from all over Ustilav to, to know that um, although these men claim to be from Corto, their accents... Mark them as southerners. I, I heard a bit of... Um, maybe they're from Caliphas. 
There was also a strange amulet worn by one of them. It was a gagged skull. I don't really know what business they were discussing, but as I was leaving the room, I did hear them mention the stairs of the moon and something called the Pack Lord's Heart. I don't know the meaning behind any of those words, but... That is all I really have. They they did ask me to leave the room. You ask you ask her if uh, she heard any names at all, Silverhead Manor, the originals. Probably not, but worth trying. Yeah. Thank you for this information. I'm not the most knowledgeable, but I'm sure our book reader can tell us lots more about this. These men were quite dangerous. Did you happen to catch their names? I did not. It seemed as if they were actively trying to avoid referring to one another. I could sense the evil in those men as well. I'm glad they didn't stay for long. And I think with both sides of the investigation for the early part of the day done. I'm going to have you guys finish your drinks because we'll see you next week. Oh, I knew it. Lots in, Phil. Lots in. Phil.